Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Wizards of Words and Words, uh, a fantasy writing advice podcast. I'm Jed Hearn, author of uh, Fires of the Dead. And I'm joined by my co-host, starting with Michael R. Fletcher. The Fires of the Dead? Have you? Am I just never listening when you talk? Or have you not mentioned yep. this book before? I've mentioned this book like 20 it's times. It's right there on a shelf. It's literally yeah. right here. <laughs> uh, but I, feel, I feel busted. Hi, I'm Michael R. Fletcher. I am incapable of paying attention to things. Nice. <laughs> Rob J. Hayes. Hello, I am Rob J. Hayes, author of... I don't know what you said. And Dirk Ashton. I am Dirk Ashton, also author of The Razor's Edge and the Paternus Trilogy. Nice. I'm liking this Uh, up the nostrils angle. This is sweet. (laughs) Dirk has a new camera set up in his fancy room. It's quite intimidating. I feel like I'm in a much less powerful position. (laughs) Oh, when he's grinning like that with the camera, he looks like a big baby. (laughs) Okay, now I feel an equal level of power. (laughs) Um, so speaking today's episode of babies. Is be... <laughs> speaking of babies, uh, time to talk. Um, today's episode, we're trying a new format. It's going to be called tentatively titled "Project in Depth," uh, and we're going to talk about Siege of Treblin, he which is the just made that interactive. Up too. Just pulled that right out of his butt. First, we've heard about any of this. That's, yeah. that's yeah. the benefit of being a writer. I mean, we're so professional. We just turn up and judge like we're going to talk about this shit today. We're like, oh. yeah. <laughs> you I do have to say, props to you guys for how good your points are considering that you have like three seconds of preparation time before i start asking you to be like okay guys we're going to talk about the meaning of life mike begin and then mike just rambles. <laughs> well that's what we did that was the steve episode that was literally the chaos yeah. episode oh yeah maybe we'll call it the steve episode that's kind achieve, of a cool achieve um, achieve the steve achieve the steve if you can visualize the steve you can be the steve um yes so today's episode uh project in depth gonna be talking about Siege of Treblin, which is the interactive epic fantasy novel that I've been writing for the last two years, and 
should be out as of the time of this episode comes out april 14th 2022 just in case you're listening to this in the future um yeah so do you guys just want to start i'll give you i'll give a brief overview to the audience and then you guys can just start grilling me with random questions um and more than happy to talk about things like advances or how the contract stuff works because well tell us about the project in general that's the most interesting thing so siege of trebling uh is a interactive novel so like a text adventure where you are the ruler of a magical city that is under attack and you have to defend it from this enemy army that's trying to conquer your nation while also managing all the fractitious internal politics and conspiracies that are going on within your city so the way to kind of think about it is it's like a novel but at the end of every scene you get to make a choice and that choice affects what happens next and affects the kind of attributes of your character um which in turn alters how other characters see you and affects the world uh, as you progress through the game so all up it's uh like a two hundred and eighty thousand word interactive novel um so it's like the longest book that i've ever written um and yeah, that's that's pretty much the project in a nutshell. Uh, I'll put a link to it down below as well. So yeah, fire fire away with the questions. I, um, I'm I mean, just the mechanics of putting it together sounds incredibly daunting. How often does the story split? Like, how often do you have to do you stop? And then how many choices are there? And then how does it proceed to there? Does it automatically jump to the next? to that thread that particular thread and how often do you do that yeah so uh there's two sort of different types of choices when you're creating the game there's uh, a branching choice which depending on which option you pick so let's say option one is like investigate behind the curtain in dirk's office option two is punch (laughs) dirk and then option three is run for your life um everybody's gonna pick punch dirk Everyone will be punched. It's going to be. You don't even have to write um, the other two. <laughs> That's true. The others just lead to dead ends, and they're like, huh? You pick this choice? Go back. Um, go back and punch yeah, Dirk. Yeah, so basically, <laughs> <laughs> go back to punch Dirk. In, a cho- in an instant like that, the choice would split out to three different scenes. So I would have had to write three different scenes leading off from that choice. Other times there are non-branching choices, which kind of just affect your response within a scene. So an example of that might be, um, ask Dirk about his new book that he's writing, or stare at Dirk with a glare, or uh, try to pick a book off his shelf without him noticing. That could lead to the next scene being more or less the same. That's right, Dirk, I've actually stolen all of your books when you weren't looking. You should be afraid. Um, <laughs> so that could lead to the next scene being more or less identical to the previous scene, but there'll be some flavor text that is a bit different in that. So it might be like a few sentences scattered throughout that scene, which are different depending on the choice you made before it. So through that structure, um, you essentially have some uh, kind of linear pathways within the game where people are making choices that affect how it appears for them, but it's still the same overall sort of scene. And then you have some moments where the story does branch out and you might decide, do I visit this character who's in the army's barracks like, and duel with them? Do I go to uh, the kind of markets and try to buy something and negotiate the, mer- the merchants down? And those would like lead in totally separate directions, for example. Um, so does that sort of answer how that works from a mechanic standpoint? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So this episode actually just sneaky advertising? Correct. It is. Siege of Trevlin, available right now. Shameless plug. No, but it's so not did, available did right company, now. Um, not yet. Like, did did they approach you or did out? you approach them? Uh, I approached them. So I've known about... So basically this is through a publisher called Choice of Games. Um, and they like just put out these things. So they've put out like a, probably about 100 of these games before. So they're pretty well established. And um, they... Yeah, I've known about them since like 2016. In early 2020, I basically pitched to them. Uh, and I was like... Went through their application process, which essentially involved like sending in a CV that just listed out previous things I'd published um, with like a cover letter saying why I, I thought... I would be good for this project and then from there it was like six months of sending outlines through sending blurbs through sending ideas through uh before they greenlit the game and we started writing it from that point so yeah just reached out to reached out to them um didn't really have any connections didn't have like an agent for it or anything and i think the majority of authors who write for them literally go through the same process cool and they've been great to work with as well like it's yeah very yeah, good editing I, so what's it's your, nice having an editor for each chapter what's your What's a pay structure like for something like this? Like, I've never done anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's very similar to kind of like a traditional novel in the sense that you get an advance up front as you write the project and the advance is paid out over several installments. So all up the advance, and this is on their website, so this is like not me like breaching any contract things or whatever. Um, the advance for the overall story is like 7500 US dollars and then you get 25% of royalties um, after the book not the book, after the game earns back its advance. So once the game, uh, you know, sells enough copies to basically cover the $7,500 that you got, then you start earning royalties from that point and they pay out every month, apparently. What do they do? What do they put out for like advertising and marketing? And I would imagine that gets deducted as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if they actually pay a lot for advertising because they have a pretty big email list and a fairly established fan, audience fan of people. base anyway. Okay. Yeah, because like as you can imagine, okay. this is a super niche thing, yeah. and you know, like it's uh, I think an instance of like the people who like this stuff really, really like it, and most people just have never heard of it. So <laughs> most of the people who have played a couple of their games, like you know, go on to play all of them. Last I checked, they had an email list of like sixty thousand people or something like that um that's impressive and which is really really impressive uh i mean who but they still only have an open is. rate of 35 percent bloody 35 yep. percent you can't get away from it <laughs> no one has open rates of more than 35 percent um it's funny because like I, I in my day job I, I run out a lot of our email stuff for that as well still 35 percent open rates just like everything it's weird <laughs> everything isn't it is like everybody has the exact same, same open rate it's, it's really... almost like the figures are yeah. you know fixed <laughs> mm-hmm. almost like it's meaningless it's um, almost like it's yeah, amazon so they have a um they have an email list which they put it out on they have like an app uh in the app store which is what you can play the game through and also that like promotes the games within it and yeah in terms of like paid marketing i don't think they do a lot but they seem to have a big inbuilt audience like probably a year ago i put up a, a demo of the game so the first two chapters all up there's nine chapters on their forum and like two and a half thousand people like click through on that link to, to play the demo of the game. That's so, impressive. impressive. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and that's that's like not actually a massively, a, not a massive achievement because I looked at some of the other demos that have gone up on that forum and some of them are like 
you know, 4,000 people clicking through to play this demo um, by an author that I've, you know, never really heard of, but is has maybe done a couple of games in the interactive fiction space. Um, so yeah, they seem to have a fairly inbuilt, a big audience. Obviously, I have zero idea how that's going to uh, affect sales because as of the time we're recording this, it hasn't <clears> released yet. But I will say also, some of their games have been nominated for like the Nebula Award for game writing before. Ooh. And I think one of them has maybe even won so that's an award that's usually won by like, you know, AAA studios. I think like Outer Wilds won it a few years ago or whatever. Is the Nebula um, the Australian one? No. Or is that the Aurora? That's the no, SF, SFWA. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think the Nebula is more or less worldwide. Yeah, it's, um, it is world, open, it open worldwide. It's um, Nebula Award. SFWA. Uh, recently there was, there was some based, uh, based out of the U.S. fantasy awards that i i couldn't even i couldn't possibly win they're the aurelis awards oh that's right that aurelis was, awards is yeah, yeah australian that was yeah. very racist of them that's the quokka awards <laughs> maybe yeah. you can argue that you have australian exposure because you know me oh. so you're I, like, I, an australian exposed australian. himself to me once <laughs> just once <laughs> with his words <laughs> yeah that's probably good grounds to to get your aurelius award right. um sweet mm. Yeah, puppy. Yeah. Oh, the beagle is in frame. Hi, Cora. Cora has, has entered the building. Cora is so much bigger than last time I saw her. Hi, Cora. She's tiny. She's like, she's an absolute runt of a beagle. It must just be because you're holding her like close to the camera. She's a she looks kind of big. Cutie pie. <laughs> oh, Rob's frozen out while he talks to his. Oh no, nope, he's back. He's good. He's back. So, um, how much nice. work actually went? Like, would you say went into producing it because like obviously you got a seven and a half grand advance which is nice and hopefully you'll get some extra royalties from that do you think it's hopefully going to be worth it with the amount of effort and work that mm. you've put into it because i mean two hundred eighty thousand words is a lot it, it's a big yes. book no matter what but obviously yeah. the way that you've had That's to structure it yeah the way that you've had to structure it and everything as well i'm, I'm guessing a mm. lot of work's gone into this Absolutely. Yeah, I think I've got my writing. Um, I'll get my words per hour spreadsheet up, which I like track everything I write in. And I think it took me just off the top of my head while I get it up like 600 days to write the whole thing. Um, so it was quite substantial. Uh, did I have it up here somewhere? Yeah, so that's while working a day job kind of thing, right? Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah. so working uh, like four day a week day job as well. So you weren't um, you weren't writing any other books at the same time, right? For the first, maybe, yeah. So I'll, I'll give you the timeline of it because I sort of was. So start of, uh, I sent out the initial outreach email to them in March of 2020. Um, about a hundred days later, so in August. Uh, they greenlit the game for me to start writing. So in that time, I was also writing and finishing off the Thunder Heist. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just sort of doing the outlining and the pitching like in all the time outside of that. From the time that I got the green light to start writing it, it took about 450 days to finish the first draft of the novel. So that was the, the roughly 280,000 words to go all the way through. Uh, and then it was probably like another... 35 days to finish the um, revisions on that as well um so yeah like the actual writing time for it was probably like 
around 500 days. There was like several months of outlining involved at the start, which was less intense. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, Rob, for me in my position, it was definitely worth it at the time to take it because I have not like made that much money from my other novels. Um, and I also wanted the experience of like working with an actual publisher as well to see. Probably wouldn't be worth it for any of you guys because you probably can make more than that from a novel which doesn't take two years to write. Um, so hopefully it will continue to pay off with royalties to be worthwhile from that point on. Mm -hmm. I think I wouldn't like immediately jump into writing another project for them right now unless it makes over a certain threshold with royalties mm -hmm. just because uh, I am aware that the 280,000 words that I put into this project, um, which was immensely fun, really enjoyed it, is also equivalent of probably writing for regular books because the words per hour rate that I had on this project if I convert that into what that would be writing a regular novel for me, it would be like 400,000 words of regular novel writing, um, which is like, you know, four whole books. So yeah, it um, definitely was like very intense, very long because you have to do the coding for it as well. Um, super enjoyable. I'm glad I've done it. I, yeah, I think if I went back two years and I was in the same situation, I would still probably go through it. I think right now, now that I feel like I um have a bit more of an audience and maybe can like do a bit better with my own self-published novels i probably wouldn't be jumping into doing this again unless of course it does very well from a royalty perspective and and then justifies that time but for you, now my you've done the writing and you've done the coding mm -hmm. so the publisher is yes, literally correct. just providing the platform yeah and also the editing for it as well yeah and the the coding language and that sort of and thing. the advance well, yeah, yeah and the advance, advance yeah obviously. so yeah, yeah. Are you hoping yeah, that so, like, I mean, uh, it will translate into more readers as well? Like, is that a hope for I you? I don't know. It'd be nice. It'd be nice if people read this and um, then are like, oh, I want to check out Jed's other novels or whatever. I don't imagine there will be a heap of crossover. Like, I've played through a lot of Choice of Games stories before. Love them. Have not, like, felt a massive inclination to then check out those authors regular books mm. and i imagine a lot of the people who play choice of games uh text adventure stuff um you know that's that's the thing that they like and they might have like different tastes from actually wanting to read a regular fantasy book um i think the way i kind of see this is as like a sort of this is like very boring investment speak but that's that's my day job so what can you expect it's kind of like a diversification away from amazon in a sense because the kind of ecosystem that this game is operating in is like totally a different audience, a different market, a different company from all of Amazon stuff. Um, but it seems to have very consistent long tail outcomes. Yeah. So uh, the author who kind of, I won't say her name because she might not want this information out there, but like there was an author who helped me with my application for uh, this company who had written some of their games before and I really liked them. And she showed me some of her sales figures and it was very remarkable how consistent they were like you know sometimes when we publish novels like it it does continue to have that like trickle of sales afterwards but it usually just drops off a cliff after a certain point mm -hmm. and she had games that had been out for like three years with them and we're still getting like very very consistent good numbers uh, every single month nice. essentially so it's my hope that this can become the kind of thing that like generates a significant amount of, of passive income every month um and yeah, like that allows me to have more freedom and security with, with my other writing um, and helps me get towards that point of 
you know, like making the author career more of a thing. That's that awesome. Sort of stuff. I think what a lot of people aren't going to realize is how bad, how low um, advances are these days from trad traditional mm. publishers. Yeah. So you go like uh, 7,500 bucks, you know, for 280,000 words. You're like, that. that's not a ton. Uh, however, uh, Swarm and Steel sold the Sky Horse for, I think, about $2,000. Now, I was desperate mm. at the time and unemployed. Um, but like, that's, you know, sometimes what you're seeing. And, yeah. you know, I, there are a lot of trad publishers out there, uh, even some of the bigger ones where, um, like, I remember, what was a uh, Titan? Titan offered something like 8000 for Beyond Redemption. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's like a decent-sized publisher. Um, that's actually not a terrible advance um in today's market for a single book yeah. for for yeah, yeah. yeah for for a single book and when yeah. you're looking at no it's not uh, you know royalties um that are a likely to pay out your um like a, your advance is likely to pay out and then you know bring more money past that on you know like a fairly steady sales um it's it's actually it's sort of more enticing than it might initially seem yes yeah that's my thoughts on it as well like obviously it's amazing if you can get paid a massive advance but in some ways it's almost cooler to have like a smaller advance and larger royalty options because then you get that consistent income going forward in the future like they offer the option to have a ten thousand dollar advance and ten percent royalties but their default is like the seven and a half thousand dollars and twenty five percent royalties because they tell their authors like you are probably going to make way more money with the twenty five percent royalty option even though it means you're not getting as much upfront, and to kind of put into perspective what some of the the sales could look like from a from a profit point of view, um, if the game this is like all based on some figures I had a while ago, so it may be a little bit off, but I think I figured that like it to break even from the royalty perspective, it needs to sell like about three thousand copies, a little under three thousand copies or so, um, which yeah sounds like a lot they have like an email list of sixty thousand people so hopefully some of those go across um and then yeah for every thousand units sold um that would be like i think around like two thousand like three thousand dollars from there um so yeah like to your point mike hopefully it does become the kind of thing where the royalties are what make the bulk of it and having looked at some of the previous novels that have published on there um, based on my very sketchy like napkin math stuff. Um, so who knows how accurate this is, but based on some of the figures I've seen from other stories on there, like some authors have been walking away with like $160,000 um, over the course of several years from uh, based on like looking at, so one author, like I know her sales and I know her reviews. So I kind of figured like a reviews to sales ratio, applied that to one of their other stories, which had like, 6,000 reviews from people and I was like okay this is roughly how much I would expect this to make nice um, so no idea how accurate that is but like there are some things on there which seem pretty big from a sales perspective seems like it's um, got a decent market yeah, then so we'll see how it goes yeah yeah it's, it's pretty cool yeah. um, even the fact that like 6,000 people are reviewing a game on their platform yeah, yeah. is That's like good. I think 
really sick. I mean, yeah. fuck, they I used only to have play like uh, the, they, I used to have books of them, like physical books of these choose your own adventure things back when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. I had a really good one where you yeah. were investigating this, uh, who had to discover the mystery of Loch Ness. Oh. Nice. Did you succeed? I can't remember, you know. Did you fail? I, I would imagine I, would, oh. I, I did, but then, you know, I think I was like eight years old at the time, so I probably cheated. I think you'd know if you discovered the secret of not Loch Ness. That's what I would think as well. Oh, I think you'd remember that. Behavior. I think you failed, <laughs> and you're trying to block that out. He's you're trying, trying to, to block off. that out of your memory. <laughs> Every time he's possible, done I was probably eaten just by Nessie, to be honest. <laughs> that would have been my goal. <laughs> to try to get eaten by the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> you got, you're like, guys, you don't understand. The secret is inside the monster's stomach. I need to get eaten in order to discover the truth. <laughs> yeah, so... But yeah, in terms of sales stuff, maybe we can like, I don't know, do a, a brief follow-up piece in like a year or so and I can I can show you how it how it goes from that a point. A year? But, um, if you're not like oh, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. By then. <laughs> I mean, hopefully that's the dream, right? Like yeah. hopefully in a year we're doing Wizards, Warriors and Words from our mm -hmm. mega yacht in the Caribbean or something. Yeah. <laughs> Carrying around uh, golden toilet seats, not even using them, just carrying them around. <laughs> No, we, we'll be doing that it from the mega yacht, but it'll be your mega yacht, and the rest of us are just be hanger hangers on. Nice, nice. We're in the dinghy. Byo, that's just there in the ship. Like, no, no, you can't come aboard. Sorry, really busy up here at the moment. Just too crowded. Here's your macro room for you, along with <laughs> just throwing out raw fish into yeah. a dinghy below. Nice. We're hungry, Jed. <laughs> yeah, so uh, any other questions or do we want to <laughs> wrap this up? Sure. With the mackerel. Yeah. With the mackerel? Yeah, send this on a high point. Yes. Okay. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, um, yeah, that's uh, that's a little bit about Sage Treblin. Uh, hopefully that gives you a bit yeah. of behind the scenes. I hope, it, like I hope it kicks ass. Thank you. Um, yeah, we'll see. Like by the time this episode comes out, I'll probably release this like after the game is available. So I'll put a link down below. Um, I also did a much longer interview with Adrian Gibson on the Sci-Fi Fanatics podcast, which I think some of you guys have been on before or are planning to to be on. I'm not sure if you guys have have. Uh, I think I'm supposed that, to do something but... with Adrian in the near future, but I, I never write yes. anything down and I rely on people to remind me, so I have no idea. <laughs> All right, well, that's a potentially they're on the podcast as well. But yeah, we talked about it on more detail than that, so I'll, I'll link down to that as well. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening slash watching and we will see you next week. Thanks everybody. Bye. Goodbye. Cool. Sick. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.